Hello, everybody. And this is Crosstown Conversations, and we are a, almost a week, less one day less than a week away from the election. And oh my goodness, I hope there is nobody listening right now who is going to fail to vote. It is so, so critical. This is the scariest darn thing. We may not have Obama to vote for, but we sure have somebody that is really a scary thought to have in the White House. So, folks, don't let us down. We need everybody out to vote. All right. Um, I have, I, I said in my newsletter, one of my heroes of the city because Jolene, <laughs> the, Jolene, Jolene, Jolene. <laughs> Dolly's going to be here next month. <laughs> um, Pender is Thank you, the outgoing director of the New Orleans Film Festival and the Film Society. And oh my goodness, what that film festival has done for this city and how far you've taken it since you've been at the helm. Thank it's you so just much. amazing because it was a nice, sweet, important uh, festival um, to begin with. It always was something that uh, people respected coming out of New Orleans, but um, you just kicked it up so many notches. <laughs> it Thank isn't you. funny. So I, I, I wanted to talk to you about it. We're gonna, I don't know if you saw my newsletter, but mm -hmm. I, uh, okay, I laid out the subjects that I want to talk to you about. So, um, all right, let's get started at the beginning. You know, how did you land here? And um, I want folks to, to really hear because what I, one of the things I try to do on this show is to um, really help people who are thinking about doing some things that have value for themselves, their family, their friends, their neighborhood, the city, the how-tos. You know, they're just mm -hmm. some thoughts and ideas about how to, to get off the dime. Sometimes we have to really push ourselves to go to the next level and, and get something done. And, and you did it. So I, I kind of want to hear your story, how you happened to come here in the first place, what you were doing sure. before this, and then, you know, um, kind of what was it like the day you walked in your office? <laughs> wow. And, 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 what, and, and how you set about to do what you've done. Sure, sure. Well, um, I mean, I moved here in January of 2011, and uh, I'm from the South. And Where in the South? I'm from Tallahassee, Florida. Okay. And my uh, my brother and sister actually lived in New Orleans in the 90s, so I came here a lot. My sister worked at Charity. My brother worked at the old Bear Complex, over which I live now down the street from. Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of like high school and and college coming to New Orleans for holidays, and um, really loved the city, but hadn't been back in some time. So I moved down here, and and. I moved for the job, but I, I found out about the job because in, in late 2010, I was actually invited to be on the jury of the New Orleans Film Festival on the documentary jury. I was producing documentaries in New York for a great company called Arts Engine that was really focused on social issue documentaries. And I, I produced films there, and I also ran a film festival called the Media That Matters Film Festival. And it was all short social issue films. Media Matters? Media, yeah, Media That Matters. It's I, There's a... There's a conservative media matters, I think now. So I'd like to distinguish it from that. It wasn't a it wasn't a conservative outfit, but um, so I ran that film festival and I produced films mostly for PBS. And um, I was invited to be on the jury, and I hadn't been in New Orleans in a while. And um, 
I decided to come down and someone, uh, one of my friends and, and mentors emailed me and said, is this why you're really going down to New Orleans in October to interview for this job? And, and I had no idea about the job and, uh, and I decided to throw my hat in the ring. So that's where it all started. Um, and when I, as soon as I got off the plane and I got to the festival, there just something felt right about it, that if they would have me, I certainly would want to be here. And, um, and so it all worked out, and a couple months later, I had moved myself from, from New York to, um, to New Orleans and was just so happy to be back in the South. It felt so much more my pace. Never, New York had never felt natural at all for me, and it just felt really right. And New York is so rushed. It's they rushed. They think of themselves as fast, <laughs> but it isn't so much as fast as it is rushed. It's too fast. Right. Yeah. I, I, I definitely I definitely never really agreed with me. So... Um, so I was happy. I was thrilled to be here. And I, I do remember that first day coming into the office. And I remember it was really cold that year. And I was like, wait, I thought it was going to be warm. Like, this isn't what I remember. <laughs> um, but, you know, we were really lucky because we had John Desplas, who um, has been, you know, artist, he's artistic he's director another emeritus. Hero. Another, really, definitely he, he a hero. off the ground. Us. I mean, he stayed with the film festival, envisioned the film festival, you know, brought it to this amazing place. Um, and John, it's he's just incredible. And so John was there, and then um, Clint Bowie, who's our director of programming, um, was there at the time. And it was, it was just the three of us and the board. And there hadn't been an executive director for a few years, so um, the board had really been taking an amazing leadership role um, with the festival and the organization. So... Um, but it was, uh, you know, there were definitely challenges because there hadn't been someone in that role. And I think for me, I came from it, um, from the perspective of, um, both a filmmaker and a film lover. You know, I wanted to create, uh, I wanted to sort of help create a, a spirit, um, that sort of married those two communities that you could have artists and you could support artists and have them be part of the event and and that would sort of enrich for audiences and audiences would feel more engaged because there would be an you know an artist at pretty much every screening talking about their work because that's what makes it different i mean if you think about how people consume media now I mean, what's mm -hmm. to incentivize you to go to a film festival versus see something on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon? You have to create that sort of experience for people. Well, one of the things about a film festival is that you know that it's been curated. Mm -hmm. And um, it hasn't been curated um, for profit. Right. It has been curated for content quality um, and impact. Exactly. And um, so uh, you just know that you're going to be seeing films of, of that have um, really a, a, a strong content and, and aesthetic mm -hmm. excellence and, and represent directors who are interesting directors and as well as performers. Um, so, okay, you're there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So let, let's go through those first steps. You had to, I guess, develop something of a strategic plan when you got here. Right. There. Well, we uh, the first thing we had to look at was the money because, you know, we needed to raise money pretty quickly to, to sort of support, you know, having an ED there and just also to sort of grow the organization in a way that um, uh, seemed sort of natural. I think, I mean, my, my first um, – 
steps we're really looking at. And, and I remember when I came down here for the festival in 2010, I really had no idea how much film production was going on in Louisiana, partially because I was coming from a documentary world and really a lot more that was happening was the sort of narrative, the, you know, the, the things that were taking advantage of the incentives were, were narrative projects. So I didn't really know about that. And uh, my first steps were to think, well, we didn't have a lot of relationships with those people who were working in the industry um, because it happened so fast. I mean, it did. The program, you know, it, it, it's now I think 12 or 13 years old, but at the time it was, you know, half that, and it was it all sort of started happening. It seems like relatively fast from what I can tell. And so uh, I wanted to, and while it was growing up, there was not really an executive director there to sort of build those relationships. And um, our board president at the time, too, had had ties in the industry. So my first steps were really to start to um, make inroads into the film production space. And, you know, I remember one of the first people I met with was Andre Champagne from Hollywood Trucks and Susan Brennan from Second Line Stages. And, you know, both Susan and Andre have been champions since I landed, really, because the industry was so excited. They said, yeah, we, we would love to see the film festival grow because, you know, it gets people more interested in, in coming to shoot here or coming to live here or coming to be artists here. And yeah, so that was the first step. That's the thing that's so important about what you did is not just, uh, you know, bumping up the festival and celebrating the people that you show in it and offering that to the citizens of New Orleans, but the impact it had on the city being taken seriously as a film industry um, hub was, uh, I think, pretty critical. So go ahead. Right. So we, we started really talking to um, to folks who were doing business here and, um, and, and started, you know, recruiting people to be sponsors. We started a donor circle really quickly, too. And um, I started uh, applying for a lot of larger grants, National Endowment for the Arts and um, uh, Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, Oscars, and, you know, just trying to kind of reach out and, and build support. And that first year, I think we did some things that were really exciting, too, that have continued throughout. Um, and that was we, we sort of launched an education program. So we um, started connecting students with um, filmmakers that were in town for the festival. And... Um, we were bringing the films and the filmmakers to schools to actually, you know, kind of have more of a conversation about media literacy, have students be able to, um, you know, talk to filmmakers and learn about what it is to be an artist of that variety. Um, we wanted to sort of do that. So we did that right off the bat. Um, we also launched a pitch competition. Um, so we were basically giving students from around the South, like, college level and master's level students an opportunity to um, get in front of a crowd and pitch their projects because in the south th these happen a lot in New York and LA but in the south we just didn't have many of them these opportunities to pitch in front of industry people and get feedback on your project so and that's called Pitch Perfect and we launched that in 2011 and that's been with us ever since and has certainly grown and now we do it for local artists as well um, not just students so those were some of the programs that, you know, in the in the, in the first year, um, we really were trying to kind of complement what the festival is already doing, which was, you know, excellent, stellar curation. Um, and, um, you know, we had great audiences, devoted audiences, and some really, uh, really 
amazing group of members, film society members. So that's we just were sort of complementing with some of the education work, and then um, and then we really said we want to try to bring all the jurors, so like 24 people who judge all the categories. We wanted to attract high level folks to come down and be part of the festival, and we wanted to you know pay for their travel to bring bring them here, and we wanted to bring as many filmmakers as we could. So we started giving out hotel nights, which for us, too, was, you know, a great way for us to contribute to the local economy as well, was that we were working with hotels that were sponsoring us, and we were paying for some hotel nights, and then people would extend their stay. Did you raise the money to pay for the Yeah, we raised the money to pay for two hotel nights for for most folks who Mm -hmm. were coming. And then, you know, nobody nobody comes for two nights. They come for longer, Mm -hmm. and then they extend their stay, and they, you know, usually stay at the Mm -hmm. same place. Mm -hmm. So, um... So we, you know, started seeing, you know, used to, before I came, there was like 75, 50 to 75 filmmakers. Then, you know, it was like, we definitely got over 100 that year. And that was, that became our our top, you know, now we're at 400 filmmakers come from around the world who have films in the festival. So that, um, and that group of people became like, our street team out in the world. I mean, that's been our chief marketing vehicle. If you look at where we were in 2010, we were getting about 700, 800 films, and um, we've quintupled that. We got 4,000 submissions this year. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. So we went from 800 to 4,000 submissions in six years. And that's so much has to do with people coming. You said 400? It went from about 800 in 2010 to 4,000 this wow. year. And, you know, I think people who came here felt so embraced by the city and um, felt excited about what we were doing, and they would go out in the world and tell their friends, other filmmakers, other artists, and then they would apply. And, um, you know, that was some great word-of-mouth marketing that helped us to increase the the submissions. And so, you know, I think in this year, what we've seen this year especially, so you started our Louisiana submissions really rose as well. Um and, and this year we had like a 43% increase in Louisiana submissions. So films that were either directed by Louisiana, you have to meet sort of two out of three criteria, um, directed by someone from Louisiana who lives here as a resident, or, um, you know, like 80% of your crew, everybody could be everybody else is from Louisiana except the director, um, or, you know, and then also she was shot in Louisiana, so it has to meet two of the three criteria. So... Um What's going on here? I mean, <laughs> one, I, I clearly see the path and some of the important things that you did, and you can uh, there's more you can tell me, and, mm-hmm. and we'll get to it. But um, 4,000 submissions from 800, partially that has to be that there's a whole lot more filmmakers out there, mm-hmm. right? And and secondly, for a 30, 43% jump in Louisiana-based films, and that despite you know, what's happened with incentives, right. which is a real issue, and we're going to get to that too, but um, w- what's going on here? I mean, are, are are there filmmakers who are coming here, working on a film, and then staying here, and then they have to find other work, and so they start their own projects, mm-hmm. people coming out of film school, let's say UNO, mm-hmm. and, and uh, Tulane, and Loyola, and then next thing you know, they're, um, they're wanting to make films as well. And um, so all of that, g- g- give all me of all that. the trends. Yeah, no, I think I think definitely more people are seeing it as a viable place to live and make films, and um, I think definitely we're, we get a lot of submissions from the film programs, and we you know work really closely with them. Uh, I think also 
the maybe some people who just weren't submitting to us because we hadn't had a, as strong of a local focus saw that we were we were adding more local content and um i think more people just decided oh, i'm gonna you know spend the 20 dollars to submit to the festival because it's um it's kind of giving more uh, uh, real estate to local films. Because the first year, I remember 2010, there had been like six local shorts, I think, total. And I, w I was thinking, wow, there, I know there's so many film schools. There's got to be more filmmakers to showcase. And so we tripled it from 2010 to 2011. Wow. Mm -hmm. So um, characterize characterize our film market characterize your festival uh-huh as, sure. as compared with other festivals sure yeah and characterize this city as a film video recording community mm, okay well i think in terms of our festival we have been sort of you know kind of shaping the identity a lot over these last six years and because the festival, and, and really in some regards, just going back to our roots, because if you look at the history, when we, when we did the 25th anniversary of the New Orleans Film Festival, um, it was really amazing because I got to kind of dive in, and I had a great collaborator um, uh, in Renee Henry who helped us make this video about the history. And we looked back at, you know, the founders um, and people like, Don Marshall and John Desplas and Andy Horton and Dean Pascal and and these were and and um, uh, these were people that really got the festival off the ground um, and uh, you know it, we looked at what they did and when you look at it the festival back in those days had this sort of um, two pronged approach they had what they called Cinema Sixteen. And then they had what they called the big house. And Cinema 16 was all the really independent stuff because you sent it in on 16 millimeter. <laughs> so it was shown on 16 millimeter. And, uh, and it was all you know, really independent stuff, um, kind of discovery content. And then the big house were sort of the films um, you know, that were already had distribution and were you know, Oscar worthy and whatnot that you knew would be getting a lot of attention. So that was the, really the festival's like origins. And then I think you know, six years ago when I, um, when I came in and we started um, kind of going back a little bit to that model. So right now I would say the festival, how we position ourselves is that we're primarily a, primarily a discovery festival, but we also showcase um, sort of awards contenders. And that's because where we are in the year, we're at, we're at the start of awards season. So, you know, we got Moonlight this year, which is a movie that people are talking so much about and it's going to be a right. contender for, yeah. for Oscar season and Manchester by the Sea. I mean, these are films, you know, a few years ago we had 12 Years a Slave. We've had a lot of films that have been um, honored or, you know, will be honored or will be contenders this year. And so 10 per, you know, I'd say 10 to 15% of our lineup are those kinds of films that people are really excited to see early to get a jump start on. And then 90% of the lineup comes just from things that are submitted to the festival. We take the submissions process really seriously. 
we actually engage New Orleans Film Society members to help us watch the, all the 4,000 submissions. So we're getting input from the community. It's this kind of great feedback loop where our programmers are obviously watching everything and you know taking copious notes. And then the community is also doing their own feedback forms and giving us input on what they like. So sometimes it doesn't always match. Sometimes one side wins out to the other. Sometimes everybody's on the same page. It's um, you know it varies, but that's 90% of the festival is curated from what comes in the door. And that's exciting because you're discovering new content, you're discovering new artists, uh, and then and then you know you're also giving folks what they're so excited to see, which is that sort of sneak peek of, of the Oscar. You can, you can probably fill up the, the rest of the show um, the way we do. We did find our our tape, by the way, oh, so good. we ha <laughs> I will have to um, include that. But um, uh, with examples of what happened to people as a result of oh. their participation in the festival, but give me just two shining examples. Oh, wow. Um, well, I will say that um, we started a, three years ago a mentorship program called Emerging Voices for filmmakers of color from Louisiana. So, you know, there's been a lot of conversation about just how pathetically undiverse um, and homogenous Hollywood is, and we felt like there was something we could do about it. So. We started this program um, to to support filmmakers of color from Louisiana and and to connect them to larger industry gatekeepers. So I would say a couple things that happened um, as a result of that. One is a filmmaker from not this year but the year before, Kenna J. Moore. Um, she, you know, had a mentor as part of that program, and she met a lot of other people. She met um, a woman named Moira Griffin, who's the head of diversity initiatives at Sundance. And, um, you know, they hit it off, and Moira invited Kenna to come out for Sundance and be part of their artist services program, which is just something you can't really even, you know, it was just a private invitation as a result of their connection. So Huge. that, you Huge. know, is great. I mean, that, that's what yeah. we want to do. That's yeah. exactly yeah. what we want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had a filmmaker um, – from the festival, from 2015's festival, Katie Kokonos, and um, her film got picked, got distribution from as a result of being in the festival. It got picked up by The Orchard, uh, a kind of newer distributor, and was out in theaters all over the country. She had premiered her film at South by Southwest, didn't have any interest there, came to New Orleans. We um, coordinate something called the Industry Exchange where we match, we do sort of speed dating for filmmakers with industry people. She met with Orchard, and she got distribution. And then one of our other Emerging Voices um, mentees, um, uh, Brian um, uh, Nelson, got uh, – he received funding from the Independent Television Service as a result of meeting someone at the festival. He got um, some seed money for his film on um, a sort of like firsthand experience of the um, Mardi Gras Indian Queen community, um, uh, which is Mother – you know, Sharice is a part of. So that happened because of someone he met at the festival and being part of the Emerging Voices Mentorship Program. So those are three examples that I think speak those to kind of good examples. what we yeah, like to exactly, do. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. So so uh, it, it, you had this great run. I, I was absolutely shocked to realize it was only 2010 that you, you came because for me it, it feels like you've been here much longer. Um, and I, I, I guess a lot of us still don't really understand why you're moving off. But 
you know, um, I, I, I don't know how old you are, and I'm not going to ask you, but <laughs> there, there comes a point where you, you want to yeah. do something slightly different. So yeah. what are you going to do? Um, well, I'm still kind of figuring it out. I'm still figuring out what I want to do when I grow up, Jean. Um, <laughs> I am so proud of the work that we've done, and I, I have to say I'm so proud to work with the staff and the boards, the boards over the years that I've had the privilege of working with because they are all, I mean, we all share in this um, amazing and exciting growth that we've seen, and they've been so supportive and just um, their leadership across the board has been incredible. So I feel really lucky. Um I think, you know, I used to produce um, films, so I think there's definitely some interest on my end to do something more creatively. Um, and I come from a documentary world. I, I, you know, I'm sort of exploring some opportunities to maybe teach. I would love to do that as well uh, mm -hmm. in the documentary space specifically. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of keeping my options a little open because... Are we going to keep you here or are you going to... Oh, I certainly, you know, I, I, I met my husband the second month I moved here. Oh. So <laughs> that was another factor. <laughs> Uh -huh. and, um, and he's from here, and uh, we built the house here, and so we we definitely, we really, really want to stay. So hopefully there will be some opportunities that emerge. Um, but I'm going to take a little time off. I just need to do some life stuff and, um, and you know, probably reemerge mid-next year, I'd say. But I'll, I'll be here till the end of January in this role. Okay. All right. So um, here's my concern. Uh, in looking at how the... Um, quote, Hollywood South is evolving. Uh, we were on a roll. It mm -hmm. looked really good. And then we got the rug pulled out from under mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. it's, it, to some extent, I mean, it, it's kind of ambiguous because I hear essentially the story I keep hearing is, is not that the incentives are so terrible. It's just that the cap moves the money too far into the future and it created a sense of uncertainty. It's the uncertainty. And the uncertainty just undermined the whole darn thing. It's the it's the uncertainty and the perception so a, a issue. A lot of people that have, have lost their jobs. Yeah. Recently. Or have moved, have to or move have moved to Atlanta really or other places. Do you um, think that the legislature has figured out what a disaster I think was? so. I mean, I had a chance to be part of um, a, a listening session. Um, Don Pearson, the secretary of LED, came down last week, and we had it second line stages um, with Sherry McConnell, who's his um, yeah. special assistant, you know, Sherry. Mm -hmm. um, and so we kind of had, with all the film industry, just a listening session to talk about it. And, you know, I think that – Good. I, it's great that she got him to do that. Right. Yeah. It was really fantastic. Uh -huh. I, I think that um, – they understand. I mean, I think they under. They. I mean, I think to some degree they hear what the problem is, and it really is an uncertainty and a perception problem. And I think until people started getting their checks, which I think is happening now, studios started getting their checks. That perception problem wasn't going to change because there just was this uncertainty of of is the money going to be there? Are we going to get our money? What? Um, you know, are they going to say yes? The program's going forward and change their minds next year and. You know, and, and a lot of these projects are planned pretty far, you know, mm -hmm. can be planned pretty far out. So, um, and when you have some of our competitors who don't have the same restrictions or challenges, you know, people have been going there, obviously. But I think that, you know, one of the things that's talked about, too, well, this might just change the type of project that comes to Louisiana. Like, it might be a smaller budget project that can take advantage of the of the incentive program, that's one part of the conversation that people are discussing. Like maybe it's not a, you know, hundred and twenty million dollar project, but it's a, it's a you know five to ten million dollar project. 
But, I mean, the reality is is it's had material consequences for people in our community, and that's hard to see. And it's not just as as people in the film industry keep trying to remind everybody else, it's not just people who are literally film producers or in the film production business. It's all the other. Oh, there's this great video that um, the local union, IATSE Local 478, produced that it showcases the impact on local business and not on people that work in the film industry. It's people that work in the hotel industry. It's people that work in the lumber industry. I don't think anyone realizes how much lumber, not trucks from New Orleans, but lumber from around the state, went into building, like, you know, Jurassic World. Yeah, and Deepwater Horizon. I saw saw the props. Uh, Yeah. After the – and everything that you saw that you thought was made out of steel was wood. Yeah, I don't think people realize, you know, there was this one business owner who was saying, like, one production – you know, what they buy equals 500 houses. And, like, 500 houses aren't just built. Like, you know, you know, it was, um, it was pretty, pretty profound. Um, but, you know, drapery businesses, antique stores, I mean, these are all local businesses that, you know, have been hit hard because that industry was putting a lot of money into their business. And so I think that's part of the story that I hope legislators will understand, that it's not just people in the film industry who are making money, but that it's people throughout our state who make money. Um, You know, the ice company, the box supplier, the catering, the craft services, you know, it's all those people. The um, uh, this listening ser- uh, session, um, John Pearson uh, came to that, but who else? Did anybody else? Any legislators or no? Well, it was a lot. It was, it, was, it was um, press well, sec- press secretary from LED, um, I think legal counsel, Sherry, Don, and then so LED based. Uh, yeah, it was all LED based, and then they're doing these in different parts of the state. And then they're going to sort of take this information and Good that she's doing it in other parts of the state because that's another misnomer. A lot of legislators keep thinking that this is all to New Orleans' benefit. They absolutely don't get how much business has been done in Baton Rouge and Alexandria and Monroe and and Shreveport and Lafayette, everywhere, the whole state. Right, right. No, exactly. And there's a new website that um, they have up, filmlouisiana.com, that kind of – lets you know what sort of actions you can take or, you know, allows you to learn more about the number of jobs that the film industry directly created and the sort of impact on the, on the state as a whole. All right. Well, take me forward. Yeah. What, what happens now? So um, I, I think the governor kind of gets it. He's I think committed, he gets it. I think right? he gets it. And mm-hmm. uh, are, are we beginning to develop a, a, a core of legislators who – I think so. I think the governor, I think the lieutenant governor – I think they get it. I think there are a lot of people in the um, legislature who understand, um, you know, I, I, are there tweaks that need to be made to the program? It seems that, you know, that's the case. It's it's trying to figure out what are those tweaks and, and how do we go about sort of mindfully and, and smartly making them. And that's why I think they were, you know, doing these listening sessions. I mean, obviously one of my – big um, positions that you know I feel very passionately about is is how does the industry benefit the indigenous community and how can some of this money, whether it be the transfer fees, which Sherry had set up at one point a grant program for local filmmakers, but how do we create um, – you know, local jobs for people, artists in the in the industry who can have these jobs for their day jobs and then, you know, have more income to spend on their own projects or to launch their own projects? And how do we also create a fund for filmmakers? So 
you know, I launched with my partners, Deep South Studios in Louisiana and Dominican Humanities, we launched the Create Louisiana Filmmakers Grant um, in 2015, and we just announced at the 2016 festival that we we're continuing it with some new partners. And, you know, that, I kind of want that to be in place so that if the state does decide to kind of fund some sort of pot for, for local filmmakers, we're already in place to be able to help with that because we've already been doing grant making um, for local film. I think that's I think that's a part that's important to me. But I I, I mean I want to see the thing that was devastating this year was to I have such great you know sponsors and vendors who work in the industry who are champions of the film festival and champions of this business. And they're and hurting. To see them hurting is devastating. You know I mean to see them having to lay off employees to see them having to retool their business and and just they are hurting you know and that i think was that was the hardest thing about this year's film festival for me mm-hmm. well um what's the time frame i mean when where, where do you see things uh coming back around and and uh, uh what i'm afraid of is that uh, the industry has a tendency to kind of move right. like a uh, gypsies it's one of the easiest uh, right. industries to pick up and move because they basically do that all the time. When right. they do a production, they go wherever they got to go. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm afraid that we may have lost some forever as they've moved on to Atlanta. Now I hear that Atlanta's picking up a lot of our business, right. which really makes me mad. <laughs> <laughs> and every New Orleanian should be mad about that. Well, I think, you know, I think the key thing is, is that um, – you know, once the studios start getting their checks, because there was a, there was a you know temporary suspension of the state buyback of credit, so um, that you know as of July one they started buying back again, and I think once the studios are they're getting their checks have already started to get some and will continue through the fall, um, I think that's going to restore confidence from LA from from LA's perspective, um, and you know I think everyone's sort of focusing on the the next fiscal session. And how does the what is that uh, next year, 2017? 17. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and getting our so the spring, this coming session, in right. other words, mm-hmm. is a fiscal mm-hmm. session. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, because okay. 2015 that was last year when it when it, the changes were made. So I think everyone's sort of focused on how do we uh, you know position ourselves and what's the story that we're telling. And I think the story about local business beyond just you know concrete film right. jobs, but I think that's a big story. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, cultivating um, that sort of goodwill, you know, when you look at what happened in Baton Rouge, it was interesting because there was a, one of the largest shelters was Celtic Studios, which happened to be vacant because there were no yeah. films in it. Yeah. But that, you know, opened their door. They opened their doors to flood victims. And I think you saw a lot of um, our union guys as well going over and helping helping out and so i think there was a lot of really goodwill goodwill from that industry Mm -hmm. um during that you know during that tragedy right so um my closing question Mm -hmm. um is uh, you know i always want to engage my audience in helping to make things happen Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. i want to get people kind of not just listening but doing so what can people who are out there listening who who hear this dilemma of the exciting developments that you described in the beginning of our discussion and then this kind of um, setback, what can they do to help? I mean, I think that that is, you know, looking forward to the to the session is talking to your legislators and, and letting them know um, that you believe in this industry and that you believe uh, it can have an impact for, for local 
um, businesses and and local people to to employ um, and local artists as well who can get experience on these larger sets. Um, I think that's the that's the the big uh, the big piece of the puzzle is um, is is talking to your to your legislators and and that's why um, you know they sort of set up this filmlouisiana.com was so that uh, people could know what to do. Mm-hmm. So I was just ready to go to my next interview when my engineer um, <laughs> uh, disappeared for just a second. I'm sure he's on his way back because I wanted to. Uh, yeah, there, here he comes. Okay, well, Jolene, um, thank you so much. You're I, welcome. I, thank I you, Jean. The, the French pronunciation, because here you I are in New Orleans, it. and I'm sort of, you know, <laughs> assuming you're gonna, we're gonna keep you here one way or another. And um, you know, I look forward to uh, whatever it is you do Me next for the too. city, because I know it's going to be a good thing. Me too. And thank you so much for all your support throughout the years. I well, really appreciate it. I wish I could do more, and I, I certainly. Um, uh, deeply appreciate what you've been able to do, and I, and I think it was really interesting to hear some of your um, you. early days and what you uh, uh, really stepped in to make happen. So Thank you. Thank good you luck much. to you, and Thank good you. luck to our film community. And yes, everybody, again, voting is important, and um, supporting people who support what we're all about is important. So I, I urge you to um, think about what you can do, not just vote, but afterwards. We now have um, an interview that um, I recorded with a guy named Chad Danos, who is a landscape architect. And um, he has had the double role this past year of being the chairman of the National Association of, of um, Landscape Architects, um, ASLA. It's, it's what it's called, American Society of Landscape Architects. Um, so I'm sure he gets the credit for bringing 4,000 people to the city who no doubt had a, a really important economic impact. But what fascinated me about the conference and why I, I went to a lot of the sessions and I wanted to talk to him and you're going to hear from him now um, is that the landscape architects have really stepped in to say, okay, we have to have responsibility for helping people understand what they're going to have to do to live on this earth as things change, as we have climate change. How are we going to live here? And um, how you deal with your landscape is a big part of that. So we're going to give a listen now to um, Chad Donis. That's me interviewing him. Okay. All right. So give me, first of all, your um, name, title. Yeah, sure. Uh, It's uh, Chad Danos. I'm the president, uh, well, at least for until tonight. I was thinking uh, it must of, be of ASLA, but I'll be uh, after after today I'll be the immediate past president of the American Society of Landscape Architects. And you are also a principal with a firm here in Louisiana. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm head of our landscape architecture division with uh, Duplantis Design Group uh, uh, based out of uh, Thibodeau, uh, but we've oh. got offices uh, not only in Thibodeau but an office in Homa, an office uh, in Covington on the North Shore, in Baton Rouge and in Houston. All right, so you're heavily invested in the um, environment, the ecology, the landscape of the region. Yes. Um, which is a very challenged region, and um, so that makes your profession right now very challenging. And how are you dealing with that? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's um, it, it, we, we really need to look at, you know, from, um, from what the environment and what our natural systems, you know, I think that's part of the big the big thing is is looking at natural systems based solutions uh, and it, it, in my work uh, as a practicing landscape architect 
in a multidisciplinary firm with with civil engineers and architects and landscape architects of course you know we look at and what my landscape architecture team brings to the table is is looking at helping think about solutions to storm water and how do we deal with not only excess of storm water and what would what do we do with that how do we clean the storm water and put that back into the groundwater and those kinds of issues but we look at how do we do that in a natural way using natural base stormwater system so it's all natural and looking at the ecology looking at the environment and that's how you know I think it is a big approach and that's something that from a SLA standpoint we're really looking at that closely on a national scale as well so a lot of people are hearing the expression stormwater lately and not that we haven't dealt with water from storms historically but it's a that coupling of that word is relatively new what what does that mean and what are some of the solutions that you all are dealing with and how do they impact the average citizen well you know I think any any project any development project has to and every municipality that's that say a developer wants to build a project within will look at having a stormwater plan of how are you going to take rainwater overflowing streams and rivers and bayous any any in any kind of rain event and how are you going to ensure that the homes that that we build businesses that we build or protected from the natural cycles of floods and you know rain events so so that stormwater that is really the rain or the water that's collected during that that event do we have can we afford to deal with this I'm worried about you know our state budget is so terrible our municipal budgets are so terrible do we have the money to to come up with the ways of managing stormwater that we need I would I would say that we we can't afford not to think about and figure out a solution to it yes we may be short in state funding but if we don't address these issues and look at ways and solutions on how we're going to address these these storms and these events I mean recently in the in the Baton Rouge region with a thousand year flood event a rain event of you know basically 30 inches of rain in an eight-day period so when you look at the the system the natural system of that kind of 6.9 trillion gallons of water that falls on in that type of a rain event I mean our our systems are not designed for that and obviously we've built subdivisions we've built businesses in areas that potentially are in in those critical areas and so you know how do we deal with that if we if we continue not to ignore the issue then it's going to cost us I mean how many we still don't really even know how much this recent flood is really going to cost the state and the federal government so if we don't address it it's going to continue to cost us every time there's a there's an event 
So there's been a pattern um, in the history of Louisiana and many places because of this great commitment and love of place that we all have um, in general everywhere, but even more enhanced here because our culture is so unique. Um, people just want to go back and they Absolutely. want to go back to the way it was. Well, what, what's, how do you see how you, are we going to deal with this? Yeah, and, and, and you know, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm originally from from Lafouche Parish, down in the bayous, and that sense of place. That's that's what our theme uh, here at this conference is. It's about sense of place, and and yes, we're unique here in Louisiana, but I think wherever we go across the country, people have a distinct connection to their place the land, the place that they live, and I think we all need to kind of really recognize and identify that, that uniqueness. And for us, uh, it, here in Louisiana, uh, that's an important aspect, and, and I would say that there are ways that we can uh, continue to live the way with our traditions and heritage and our culture, uh, but we need to think about how we deal with that when we're looking at um, at, at different things of sea level rise and and how do we contend with a changing world or an environment that um, you know weather patterns are changing and, and we have different uh, issues that we have to deal with. Are we going to have to move? I don't think we do. I think we have to be smart where we build and smart how we build. How do we get people not to build where they shouldn't build, though? Well, I think that, that first of all, I think that's going to take some political courage uh, from our, our, our lawmakers, um, uh, you know, and, and really have that, that conversation of, of really identifying where those zones are and, you know, not allowing or, or, or saying encouraging uh, development or growth in certain areas and in, not in other areas, and and not necessarily saying, well, you if you know, or recognizing the fact that if you build here in this uh, floodplain, that the likelihood of getting flooded is pretty high, then you build at your own risk, and our government's not gonna 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 come and bail you out, so to speak. Insurance costs are already becoming a prohibitive factor and and people have to be paying attention to how that impacts their ability right. to live where they shouldn't that's right I mean you know I, I mean every every one of these events I mean all of our insurance rates are gonna are gonna go up right so I mean at some point we have to to, to say okay there's a better way to do it what, what is, is that, that better way to do it? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Yeah. I, was, I was just going to ask the same question. What is that better way? I think, I think that's the thing that we have to collectively uh, have that dialogue and that discussion with, uh, with the design profession, you know, the engineers, the, the landscape architects, the, the, the hydrologists, the, you know, all the ecological aspects to understand those systems, and then really engage the public in a dialogue of of understanding the consequences of certain actions. Because I think if 
All right, guys, that was, uh, we had just a little bit more left in that interview, but I wanted to get one more visitor on here, and I think you got some of the main points that he was uh, trying to make. So um, we're going to um, move on, and we're going to talk to um, Linda Pompa from the um, O.C. Haley Central City uh, based um, Merchants Association that is having their annual festival this weekend. And this is a kick of an event. And um, Linda is on the line, I think, to tell us about it. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Okay, Linda, tell me, what have, what have you guys got lined up this year? Well, um, it's always fun. And this is actually our um, 10th anniversary of this festival, which started after Katrina. And um, we... Uh, tend to make this sort of a participatory festival. There's a lot of dancing and kids' activities and things like that. Um, but also, you know, obviously um, music on a um, stage. So we're going to be having some dance performances, uh, a gospel um, tribute, and um, a Cuban dancing lesson. Ooh, that's for me. I with, love yep, Cuban music. That's with Buku Rueda. And then they'll be followed by Alexi Marti and Urban Minds, who um, um, Alexi Marti is a native of Havana, and we'll be able to put our new dance steps to work when he hits the stage. Right. Let me have the timing on that because that's my high point. That's your high point? Yeah. That's at 3 p.m. Well, okay. actually, the dance lesson starts at 2.30. So dance lessons at 2.30 and live Cuban music at 3. Yay. Yay. <laughs> and then after that, we're going to have a second line with Free Agents Brass Band and uh, Central City's own um, Creole Bell Baby Dolls. Oh, right. And then we're going to close out at 5 with Bambula 2000, which is a wonderful world music group. Um, that That's really Luther, Luther Gray's group, right? I'm sorry? Luther Gray? Yeah. 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 And so we're really looking forward to it. We've got kids' activities. We've got a couple of drumming workshops for kids. Adults can participate, too. Um, you know, some hands-on drumming with two great instructors um, at two different times, 1245 and 2. Um, and we have sort of an expo of community nonprofits and health organizations, some face painting, People will be selling art and other items. We'll have food. We'll have beer. We've got a couple of food trucks. So it's always a, it's always a really good time. It sounds fabulous. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's really coming into its own because so is O.C. Haley Boulevard. Wow. Aren't things happening there? Give me just a, a little, give the audience, uh, since I'm up there a lot and see what's going on, but give the audience kind of a, a little bit of a, a, the highlights of, of the, of, of the new, the new O.C. Haley Boulevard. Well, um, yeah, the boulevard's come uh, a long way, but it's been many, many years in the planning. Community development always takes a really, really long time. But we've had the opening of new organizations and businesses on the boulevard, restaurants, markets, um, cultural venues that have um, come on, online in the last few years. And we also are in the midst of having our street redone with a wider neutral ground. I'm so excited and, about that, aren't you? Yeah. It's going to look really nice when it's finished, which um, should be this winter sometime. 
So that's really exciting. Yeah, Linda, let me just stay on that for just one second. So I, I don't know that much about it. Um, are, are you all planning to, is there going to be public art out on the neutral grounds at all? Is that in the consideration? Well, um, you know, we would love that. But um, the way the city's funding works for the percent, percent for art, it's not directly tied to where the money is spent or where the project is. So we're working on um, improving the area where we have a wonderful piece of public art already, a Frank Hayden sculpture. Um, Hayden, and, okay. Yeah. yeah and, um, you know, we're always pushing forward on trying to have beautification and some um, cultural and artistic um, things on the boulevard. Well, um, I'll, I'll, let's talk offline about that at some point because I have an idea for you about how you can maybe get some public art out there without um, ha having to uh, go scratch up all the funding that you might think. But um, And, of course, um, this Friday is First Friday? Yeah. Uh, every month, the first Friday of every month, um, starting in the afternoon and into the evening, some of the businesses stay open late. There's free live music at some of the venues um, and, you know, drink specials at the bars. And so um, people can just sort of walk up and down Aretha Castle Haley Boulevard and check out the new stuff that's happening and have some great activities into the evening. And so at the Myrtle Banks building where my crowd hangs out, um, of course, you have those fabulous cocktails. I love our cocktail bar there. And uh, people are really making it kind of a place to hang out. So I, I think that it's uh, always a great place to be. And on the third floor, we have our um, Voices of New Orleans art show, which was a, um, an artist call. So uh, we got uh, uh, proposals from artists all around the city, and the selection was made uh, by um, Megan Young from the um, Prospect. And... Uh, we'll have that open, and that's 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 going to go on for the rest of the month. But then it's going to go down. Now we're going to have a new show from the uh, photo NOLA um, uh, event that's happening all over the city. So we're going to be a part of that this year. So that'll bring the photo NOLA crowd to um, Central City. So I'm kind of excited about that too. That's great. That's great. So what? Tell me. Um, uh, give me some sense of the future on Ozzy Haley. How are things going? Give me a little bit of the economic context for a second, and then I'll let you close out with, um, you know, the details on the festival. Okay. Um, well, I think, um, you know, we're headed in a uh, very positive direction. There's been a lot of um, private investment on the boulevard and um, some public investment, but much more of it's been private. So that's kind of the key um, to doing, you know, positive redevelopment and having the resources to do it. And like I said, the Streetscape project has been nine years in the planning. It's finally happening, and that's going to be um, have a really nice impact on the boulevard. Um, and, you know, more, more businesses will open. Um, we're getting to the point where there's not, there's not a lot of property or, or buildings that aren't being utilized already. So um, Isn't that great? I mean, yeah. it's just, I, I, you know, I lived through those years when that boulevard looked like it was never going to come back, and there were so many 
initiatives, public initiatives that tried to make a dent and nothing happened. And I, I honestly can't help but credit the arts people, you know, the, the people at, um, that were in, in uh, really uh, Cowie Bell's Ashe, but even before her, Andy Antipas's group and, and the film folks and, and then, of course, the, come the restaurants and, and then things really just keep cooking and, and you keep adding the ingredients and you get one heck of a gumbo out there. It's, it's just a, a really exciting thing that it's happening. Um, and, and you guys are a big part of making it happen, so thank you to, to you all. Um, give me the details one more time on um, opening, closing, location, cross streets. You okay. Know, give people and also parking. I always want people to know about parking. Okay. Well, um, we're encouraging people if they have bicycles to ride their bikes. We're going to have tons of bike racks um, and bicycle parking. We're also going to be raffling a bicycle off, by the way. Um, and so the festival starts at 11 a.m. It ends at 6 p.m. And then there's sort of after party at Casa Borrega. There'll be more music and the restaurants and bars will be open. Um, so it's 11 to 6. And the cross streets are, well, sort of between Terpsichore and Felicity. So it's the 1600 and 1700 blocks of Aretha Castle Haley Boulevard. Um, the stage will be kind of in the intersection in front of Cafe Reconcile. Um, and so we're kicking it off at 11 with um, – a young um, dance group from the Boys and Girls Club at the NFL Yet Center. They're going to do a performance, and we'll go from there and have music and drumming and all kinds of fun stuff throughout the day. It sounds like a great, great menu. I love the Cuban, and I love the drum uh, stuff. Bamboo is always fantastic performance, so it just sounds like a great time. Yeah. Linda there is street parking. Um, just, you know, the street will be blocked off for a couple of blocks on Aretha Castle Haley where we're going to have the festival. And, but there is usually pretty easy street parking in the neighborhood. Fantastic. Have a great time. Thank Good you. luck with it. First Friday, also this Friday evening for cocktails and roaming amongst the arts, art venues in particular. And, yeah, um, we've got a comedy cabaret at Ashe. We've got an art opening at Pelican Bomb. Cool. We'll be there. Thank you, Linda. Okay, O.C. Haley, Merchants Association, doing a great job for the city and for Central City. Thank you all. Crosstown Conversations, one more time. Please, please, please get out to vote. Get your friends out to vote. Get your kids out to vote. If they're a voting age, get the people you work with out to vote. Um, there's been a little bit of fall off in, in um, the African-American community on, on the voting this time, and we cannot afford that. It is it's too important an election. I, I don't want to go into everything you already know, so just get out there. This is Jean Nathan. This is Crosstown Conversations. I'll see you next week.